It's the Blue Vote Cafe, a little bit wonkish, a whole lot of fun. I'm David Schellenberg, and with me is Rachel Oyster. We are in Ottawa, Canada. Hello, Rachel. Hello, David. Uh, interesting episode today. It's a bunch of delegates who were a part of the big Democrat National Convention. That's right. Yeah, three of our 27-person um, delegation are joining us today. We have Adrian George. We have Anya Leonard. I hope I said that correctly. She'll correct me in a minute. And Marissa Grimes. Hello, Adrian. Hey, Sean from Sweden. Hey, David. <laughs> Hi. Uh, you're from and Sweden. Where do you vote? Washington, D.C. D.C. statehood. DC yes, sta D.C. statehood. D.C. statehood. Oh, there's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Adrian and I have had that before because I, too, am a, a, I was born in D.C. Oh, very nice. Passionately, passionately interested in D.C. statehood. Uh, yeah. And Anya is here as well. Hello, Anya. Hey, hi, hello from Germany. And where <laughs> do you I vote? I vote, it's Leonhard, but that's, it's okay. Thank you, um, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> I vote in Louisiana, so nothing I've ever done matters, but you know, it's not, it doesn't hurt to try. <laughs> and Marissa, hello Marissa. Hi everyone. So where are you and where do you vote? Uh, I'm calling in from Kigali, Rwanda, and I vote in the now purple state of Texas. Wow. State of Texas. Wow. That's yes. wonderful representation. Just the, yeah, just from the three of you, we've touched all sorts of bases. Now we are long after the Democrat convention at this point, but before the convention, each of the three of you recorded something, a little time zone, a little time capsule, <laughs> and you sent that to us. And I don't know if you've heard them since you sent that to us, but we've got your recording. So what we want to do is, is play the recordings that you sent us before the convention. So we'll go back to way then. And then we'll talk about your experience during the convention and now what has happened since. So Let's start with Adrian. This was Adrian before the convention. My name is Adrian George, and I vote from abroad in Washington, D.C., from Sweden, because I simply must vote. As a descendant of slaves, my parents' grandparents were slaves. And as a woman, in this 100th anniversary of the right to vote, there's absolutely nothing that could keep me from voting. I'll never forget the first time I voted. I was 18 and voted for Jesse Jackson in the presidential primaries. I was a student at Howard University, along with his daughter, and the excitement on campus was palpable. In 2002, I moved to Belgium, and I learned about Democrats abroad during the 2000s. 2004 election cycle. When I moved to Sweden in 2006, I started a local chapter and have gone on to do different things within Sweden and on the global level. I was elected to the DNC in 2016, and my most joyous moment must have been watching President Obama's inauguration in 2008 with my parents. They thought that they would never see a day that we would have a black president. And now, here again in my lifetime, I may see something historical again with Kamala Harris being added to the ticket as our vice presidential camp candidate I find myself in in this year of the centennial anniversary of the women's right to vote I find myself on the verge of being a part of history again if you haven't registered to vote it's not too late, but don't delay. Do it now. Go to votefromabroad.org. If you're in the States or have fans and family in the States, send them to IWillVote.com. So, Adrian, that was you before the convention. And uh, now how do you feel? Was it a part of history? 
It was a part of history, and I feel just as breathless as I sounded in that recording. <laughs> <laughs> you packed so much information into that. I was just just in awe of how much information you communicated to us. That was great. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know what? I feel like the convention packed so much in it as well. In those three or four days, um, I've been to in-person convention, and I swear that this was more action packed than being there in person. And I feel as if I was, you know, when you're there in the convention or in person, you're up at seven, you know, at the delegation breakfasts, get your passes, you're all day, you're on the floor. Then they have the big speakers out at night till 10 and you're up partying to like three. I was up to three every night because of the time zone. Yeah. I just right. partying <laughs> up early, you know, trying to do the stuff that needed to be done. And I saw more, I was able to attend more caucuses because they were online. And, you know, I went to one of the native American caucus, which we didn't even have um, mm. when, I, when I had been a de- in a delegate before. Um, right. So I got to see so many different things that were, this was a much more intense, um, convention experience, if that's possible, I think because there were so many things that they offered and knowing that so many more people could participate, it was thrilling. Oh, that's, wow, that's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anya, you're up next. Are you, are you still with us, Anya? Yes. I just, am, I hope I did listen to it once to make sure I wasn't breathing too loudly, <laughs> but um, don't really remember what I said. All right. Well, here we go. Here's Anya back before the convention. Hi, everyone. I'm Anya. I'm a member of DA Saxony from Democrats Abroad Germany, and I'm a pledge delegate for Senator Bernie Sanders. I decided to submit the form applying to be a delegate out of plain curiosity. I didn't really understand the process, and I thought that since I had a lot of extra time because of the COVID-19 pandemic, I could check it out. After I started actively campaigning, I began seeing my candidacy as a way of reclaiming my American identity and my pride in being American. Germans often don't believe me when I say I'm American, as they perceive me as Asian or racially ambiguous. Coupled with my embarrassment and anger at the current administration, it's easy to lose my sense of American identity. In many ways, though, the United States is still my home, and being a delegate makes me feel closer to New Orleans and my loved ones when I can't physically be there. This is my way to advocate for Medicare for All and other progressive causes, using the knowledge I've gained from living abroad. So, Anya, did the convention make you feel more like an American? Oh, definitely. From the first moment where you had, um, I think it was um, Vice President Biden's grandchildren saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And then there was the <laughs> montage of all the different people singing the um, singing the national anthem. And then mm. they zoomed. I don't know if you saw this, but their faces zoomed into the shape of the 50 stars. Yes. And then they like faded. And I was like, yes, this is very, this is very American. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, lo- definitely. I love the contrast between you who submitted your application out of curiosity and Adrian, who has been to in-person co- conventions. <laughs> oh no, that's yeah, wonderful. Definitely. That's wonderful. It's a big it's spectrum in our delegation. You know, a yes. lot of the younger delegates, we were just kind of, you know, because it's an interesting process. And I think not one that is very obvious to people who haven't done it already. So we were just like, you know, whatever it's COVID, it's very accessible to apply, you know, you yeah. just have the form and then everything is over zoom. So it's kind of like a low, um, the low hurdle to entry. And then, um, yeah, it was really nice to see how many people took us seriously and our ideas, you know, as like the, 
younger generation of DA. Um, I think somebody actually said Anya is someone who went from being nobody to being somebody. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. But I definitely also um, found like an ambition in myself that I hadn't really, that I didn't really know about before. And just um, seeing the whole process, the democratic process in action and also just hearing the convention and also knowing like, okay, I'm not just, you know, passively watching. I voted. I um, am attending the caucuses. I submitted draft suggestions for the platform. You're definitely, you do feel like part of it, even if you're just staring at a computer screen. That's amazing. And so you say, um, so you're part of the younger uh, delegates. So what what would you say the cutoff would be more or less in terms of age? Um, So the cutoff for young, for youth is um, 35 years. And we actually had a coalition just for younger delegates under 35. How many in our delegation fit that? that In our delegation, I think it was at least like four or five. Amazing. Yeah. It was a really, I think we were the youngest delegation ever. That was the youngest and the queerest delegation ever, apparently. The youngest and the whatest? And the queerest. Oh, queerest? (laughs) I thought you said purest, and I was thinking, how do you measure that? No, I'm not. I'm not insulting anyone. No, we were just the youngest and the queerest. And the queerest. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. I guess that takes us to Marissa. Um, Marissa, still with us from Rwanda? I'm still here. All right. You ready to hear your recording from back back in time before the convention? Pre-August 17. Yeah, here we go. Hi, my name is Marissa Grimes, and I'm a Biden delegate representing Americans living abroad in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. I was born overseas and have spent 19 years living abroad, so it's truly an honor to be a delegate for this year's convention as I work with others within DA to grow our presence across the African continent and mobilize voters to cast their ballots in the November election from across the world. More than anything, I'm passionate about helping Joe Biden win this election because as he said, 2020 really is the battle for the soul of this nation. I'm getting out the message of the Democratic Party and the importance of voting because it really is so much at stake. And I'm feeling that more acutely now that I am pregnant and my baby is due inauguration week. Um, So I'm voting for increased investments in our schools and our healthcare systems, a more affordable path to higher education, and for common sense gun safety measures so one day my child, along with millions of others, won't have to worry about living through the school day how they'll make it through college and what will happen if they ever get sick. Thanks. I guess our first question, are you still due uh, inauguration week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is what the doctor says. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not a date that usually shifts once they give it to you. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it does sometimes. <laughs> no so, surprises, please. No, no, surprises. no, no, no. But you really get into the issues in, in your little introduction, which is lovely. You grappled with some actual, yeah, education, healthcare. Yeah, it was um, very exciting, I think. Um, you know, as a delegate, I think originally, you know, all of us thought, as Adrian has experienced in the past, would be in a large room um, with a lot of rambunctious things happening around us. Um, but I really enjoyed being able to lock into, you know, speakers as they gave speeches and just be able to see 
um, a more interactive convention in a lot of ways. Um, I really enjoyed hearing from Americans across the country talk about, you know, their experiences and, of course, seeing our uh, global chair, Julia, <laughs> represent Democrats abroad um, in front of the Charles Bridge. Yes, that was, I mean, during the roll call, that was so yes, exciting. Julia actually watched the uh, that that night of the convention with Democrats Abroad members across Canada. We connected by Zoom and we were talking to each other in the chat with the sound off so that we could all watch undisturbed, but we could still have the connection with each other. And she was counting the number of languages that were spoken during the roll call and, um, and actually expressed a little wish that she had thought to say something in Czech to represent. Oh those of us outside the country yeah but that was it was really fun to watch it with her oh for sure yeah and a lot of people recognize that bridge (laughs) (laughs) uh so adrian back around to you um how how do you think your convention experience was different than all the rest of us who sat and watched it on zoom and on tv well First, if i could just say marissa you almost had me in tears with your pre-convention um uh, not speech, but when you talked about yourself and being pregnant and what you want for the future. And that's one reason I'm proud of Democrat, because those are the things that we all want as a party. And what Anya said about being the youngest and queerest delegation, I think that we've had, I felt proud to be part of that um, as well. And part and proud of Democrats abroad is how we're so, such no matter what anybody says, we make an even playing field for everyone that they can participate and do things. And I hope that both you and Marissa will, will stick with Democrats abroad and be part of the future um, as well. And David, I think the most, the, the thing that I enjoyed the most about this convention that was different from um, the past, I went in 2008 as a blogger. I was in 2012 as a delegate, 2016 as part of the delegation because I was a newly elected DNC member. Right. And then as a de- delegate this year was the roll call. It was absolutely amazing seeing the richness um, and diversity of our nature and what each state party um, presented that they wanted to show the world. And I was so proud, as you've said, of Julia and how recognizable Prague was, um, that people could see, oh, wow, look at where she is. I think she did an excellent job. Mm -hmm. All the other state presentations was just amazing. And I did hear um, some commentary um, the day after, I can't remember if it was BBC or CNN, and there was an RNC consultant or I don't know if he was planning convention and they were like, what were the good things and the bad things that you guys are going to want to do? And one of the things he said is that we want to do that roll call. (laughs) I actually didn't watch enough of that um, convention other than what I would see on the news to know if they did that. But I hope that's something that they can do in 2024 as well, that they'll keep that because that really shows us who we are and how diverse we are as a party. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But were there parts of the convention, there must have been, what parts of the convention did you get to participate in that those of us watching those four nights at home didn't see? Well, you could have done what I did and go to the Black Caucus um, because those were open to the public, which is a, which was another thing I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if you can't travel to and get a pass to get in, you can't participate. But the Black Caucus was amazing. We had two nights, a total of four um, well, night to me, um, afternoon in um, the Midwest of meetings and 
They had speaker after speaker. I learned about senatorial candidates, governor candidates. Um, yeah, like Mike Epsey is running for senator in Mississippi. He also mm-hmm. went to Howard University. Uh-huh. Like Kamala, I was, Kamala Harris did and I did. Um, there's a young guy. Anya may know him. He is running for senator in Louisiana. And oh, I think Adrian Perkins? Yes. Yeah, no, I really like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's he, kind of funny, actually, because one of my high school teachers is actually also running for Senate in Louisiana. Whoa! <laughs> but that, that's not him. <laughs> yeah, but I really like Perkins. I think he's really great. Yeah. Wonderful. Young. I mean, he must be your age, or I don't know how old he is. He doesn't look 30. He's young. I mean, I think he went to West Point and then I don't know how long he served, but he's definitely, he's like 30 something, Like he's young. Is he 30? Well, he's got a baby, but well, you know, he looks young. That was great because you got to see some of the feature of the party, see who's running in different, um, races. Um, they had the mayor of Chicago. They had, they did a segment where they were talking to, to black women mayors um, and what it's like to lead in your wow. cities. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, they had um, the, the the chair of the, the DNC Black Caucus hosted it from the Motown Museum. You know, they just, it was so rich culturally. Um, and then I went to the Native American, um, one of their caucus meetings, and they had, they opened it up with, you know, um, ceremonial music and a presentation. Mm-hmm. And I went to one of the Latino, the Hispanic caucus events and they had great music and young leaders. And I just found all of that interesting. I signed up for absolutely everything and there's no way you can go to everything, but <laughs> I wanted to see what they were going to do because then you get the announcements of who's going to speak. And sometimes you get the links to the recordings after. So I would have never been able to do all of that if I was in Milwaukee in person, right. because you, you just can't be everywhere and run from place to place. But when it's on your team, you know, when it's on your coming on your, on your um, device, yeah. yeah, you could do 30 minutes here, you know, 15 minutes there. Um, I spent the most time in the, in the black caucus cause I got hooked on seeing who these candidates were. Um, but it gave me a chance to be more places than once. That's so great. That, that was th- that was thrilling to me because I saw what I was missing. So now you think, oh, wow, they have fun over there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a roadmap for next time if it's in person, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, you kind of want to, you know, you do want to go back to in person, but you want to keep the best of what they what what was available this time. Absolutely. So maybe they will continue and think about, well, not everybody can be on site. You can have health reasons, emergencies. Maybe there'll always be some type of a link that. That people can dial into some hybrid of in-person and online and online. Yeah. 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 So and I do have to applaud. I'm sorry. The no, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. For being able to pivot and to put together such a rich and well done convention, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a super convention. I thought from what I, I mean, I watched the four nights. I wasn't able to attend any of the daytime events or well, daytime for me, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was amazing what they put mm. together. Yeah. So Anya, you talked about submitting draft language for the platform. What was that about and what success did that meet with? Oh, that was really exciting. So as part of the young delegates coalition, we had the opportunity to submit, um, drafts or suggestions to the unity task force commission 
which was essentially um, a task force created by people appointed by both Senator Sanders and Vice President Biden to bridge, you know, the progressive and more moderate wings of the party. And so that was really exciting. I got the chance to draft some um, a suggestion about reducing maternal mortality, especially um, for Black women. Oh, fabulous. And that language, it wasn't the exact language, but that was de- it was uh, also featured in the platform, actually. So it was in, I don't, in, in yeah. Democrats Abroad's platform, for sure. Yeah, I actually also yeah. submitted it to Democrats Abroad platform. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a topic that's really important to me, you know, also as a medical student, as someone who's interested in obstetrics, you know, it's just a very important topic overall, but especially just considering my personal interests. And that was really exciting because I... I got the platform draft and then I was scrolling like wild to try and find it. And there it was, you know, um, right. Because in the 2016 platform, it's not mentioned at all, which I thought was, you know, it's a public health crisis. I think that definitely should be addressed, especially in our, um, in our platform. So I was really excited to see that had made it in. Well, uh, we've interviewed several of the people who worked on building the platform. I actually came in in the late stage too. um, So that's, that's why I knew it was in there. Um, But uh, it was in many ways, at least it seems to have been one of the most collaboratively built platforms in, in some time, if not in DA's history. Everyone was invited to contribute. Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. It was so easy to contribute to the DA platform. Like I just filled out that Google form and Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I was the only person who submitted that. It could be that someone else had had that idea um, too. Yeah, but it was I, definitely in there. So I'm taking partial credit. I think you, you're entitled. <laughs> Marissa, what for you watching it from Rwanda? I mean, did you, were you able to participate in the whole thing, or and uh, what did you see that we maybe we didn't see? Yeah. Um, well, originally I, I thought I should take the week off and then I realized with the time difference, I shouldn't, um, use my holiday. Uh, but then I ended up basically working a double shift. So <laughs> I wake up in Rwanda and like, you know, work my nine to five. And then, um, from basically five till nine, I would be, um, tuning into these caucuses as Adrian and Annie were mentioning, there's also a lot of these really interesting virtual policy roundtables that were held kind of concurrently and adjacent to the, um, the convention, uh, which I like, I enjoyed some of those topics such as protecting the integrity of the election, um, mm-hmm. investing in a sustainable future. And then there was a couple around um, infrastructure and healthcare that I tuned into as well. Um, And I particularly enjoyed those because they brought together public policy figures and then also private companies um, as well as nonprofits. And so you'd have like a, you know, a city mayor speaking with a, you know, political um, action group speaking with, you know, United Airlines, um, somebody. So I I thought that was really interesting. Uh, And then essentially that (laughs) tired me out Uh, and I would go to bed and then I'd wake up in the morning and before work, I would watch the evening programming that you guys probably saw in real time in Canada. Right. Um, And so I would get a dose of, you know, my cup of Joe every morning (laughs) and then go (laughs) work for farmers and kind of do the whole thing over again. So (laughs) it was a really long week, um, but I enjoyed every minute of it. That's fabulous. So the policy roundtables, did you see practical 
actionable things forming before your eyes that you think will actually be put into practice? Yeah, I, I, I do think that. Um, the in, I think what was really interesting about these policy roundtables was one, I'm speaking about Biden's, you know, build back better plans um, and how things would look, you know, starting next year, uh, should he get elected, of which, of course, we know he will. Um, and then there were also what people are doing now. So kind of in spite of what's happening now, how companies are kind of taking steps in the direction that they see, you know, progress moving, um, as well as kind of the advocacy that can happen on the ground now to set things in place and, and set up the country for success. So um, I, I felt like they were really action oriented. Um, and because they zoned in on both, you know, ultra local, uh, like a city mayor level, and then, you know, national and international companies, it was a really interesting way to zoom in and out of what policy looks like and how it can work. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. So I'd, I'd like to ask each of you the same question, and you can boo me when I ask you this question. <laughs> uh, and Anya, we'll start with you just to do things in a different order. Did you watch the Republican convention and what did you think of it? I actually watched not most of it, but I watched all of the highlights from it because on that Thursday, I actually was on German TV debating a Republican Oh, about wow. the RNC. So I had to watch it in order to do research for this interview. And I just feel like I kind of, whenever I watched it, I had like slipped into a wormhole and was like in an alternate universe <laughs> where everything that they were saying was like somehow accurate. And I actually, you know, as the week went on, it got like more and more apocalyptic in their vision, you know, and I just thought it was really interesting because both parties in their conventions really painted like existential threats, Mm -hmm. except that the democratic existential threat is based on, you know, facts and science and actual objectively verifiable things. And the Republican existential threat is based on coded racism and conspiracy theories. So that was really interesting to me. I mean, you know, it's kind of very disheartening to see people like the McCloskey couple get a national spotlight Yeah, or, um, you know, just sometimes the things that are said, I was just like, oh, wow. But I definitely didn't feel like they were trying to bridge um, the gaps between like moderate and more right wing pe- um, Republicans. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like it would really mobilize anyone except for the <laughs> voter base that Trump already has. Yes. So that's interesting. Yeah. And how did your debate go? It went well, actually. I mean, the Republican, he's um, a representative from Republicans overseas. Mm. And um, a lot of the things he says are just not factually true. So I kind of had it easy. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's the nice part about arguing this position, right? Because you can just say that's not that's just not true. (laughs) So um, that was really interesting. (laughs) And he had no comeback to that. No, he would just say like, no, you're wrong. But um, <laughs> like right before we went on air, he said something about like how Biden wanted to like kill babies. Oh my and God. the moderator of the discussion was like, you know, that's not true. Like, you know, that's not true. And right then we went on air so he couldn't say anything. So we were just sitting there while there's like intro music to German news plays. And he's just like, like he was just like glaring at this. Fuming. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> 
already on the defensive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Amazing. Um, the first thing he said was he was talking about how amazingly Trump handled the COVID crisis. <laughs> and my friends watching at home were like, you make the same face that you sometimes make in class whenever you don't quite understand something. <laughs> I was like, yes, took, you know, a lot of willpower not to launch across the table with statistics. But yeah. Wow. Oh, but I'm sure you had a very articulate uh, answer to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Even slipped in vote from abroad.org. You know, I was. <laughs> you are a yeah. Democrats abroad hero. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> what you got to do. And Marissa, yeah. did you watch the Republican convention? And what did you think of it? Um, I can proudly say that I spent zero minutes <laughs> giving them any airtime on any platform possible. <laughs> you didn't even see clips on the news or. Um, okay. So I did see some clips on the news. Uh, I basically, the way I stayed updated with it was listening to the NPR politics podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I thought was really interesting was I think their episode, maybe a couple of days before the convention started, they were, you know, kind of forecasting what they how they thought the uh, RNC would go. And they really thought it was going to be like this victory lap um, of just kind of like touting all of the accomplishments, you know, major um, air quotes around accomplishments. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all of the accomplishments um, of the last four years. And then as the days went on, kind of, you know, the, the hosts on NPR politics were just slowly shocked that that it became this just like really like destitute um you know alternative reality uh convention of just like how horrible everything is um and of course you know i think time i mean so much happens in such a short amount of time that i think all republicans totally forget that for two years they had full control of the house and senate and still didn't get a lot of policy through um you know, they, so they want us to forget that they want us to forget that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that, that just kind of snippets and, and listening to podcasts, but, um, I did not want to be a view count on his YouTube or anything, yep. uh, which, which gave me quite a lot of joy to find out that, um, <laughs> the DNC really slammed the RNC in terms of total viewership. Yep. <laughs> Very smart. Uh, Adrian, you're the last one for this round. Did you watch the Republican convention and what did you think of it? I want to start by saying boo. You're Yay to Anya and ask for a clip. If, if the interview was in English, you have to share us a, a clip of that. Yeah. Um, it was in German, but I can still send it to you and you can just be like, oh, she's, she looks smart. I want to see the body yeah, language. Yeah. You know, um, they put so yeah. much makeup on my face. Okay. So- did they? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Because I'm yeah, I was telling movie. people, I was like, if you've never met me before in person, I like don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we definitely have to see the clip then. Yeah, <laughs> but Rachel and David, yeah, I didn't. Um, as Marissa said, give it any view time, no Nielsen ratings or whatever, none of that. But you know, when you watch CNN, you know, I had to turn off CNN because they, you know, of course they were going to cover it. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. They covered our convention and they they covered their convention. So, but then the BBC couldn't resist, you know, it is world news. Mm -hmm. So they were, you know, I would see the highlights and 
I don't know, it seemed to go from bad to worse. And what really bummed me out, and not to be cynical, but I thought, you know, all the Trump supporters are going to be sick with COVID and not be able to vote. They don't believe in mail voting or whatever, because they're, they're on the white, the South of what is it? The South lawn on the white house. No mask packed in there. Packed in. Yep. Packed in there. You know, you almost want to feel sorry for them. And then, you know, the, I don't think they presented, I don't think they, I don't know what it was like a stand-up show or like a stand-up gig for Trump. Every night he was out there talking, doing whatever, totally off script. Um, that was just bizarre. And then I can't remember who the guy's name was. That was in Israel on a trip, on an official trip. And then was it a guest on the, made an, an appearance? They just did, they've never followed protocol, it seems, in so many, so many levels. But everything they did, you know, you don't, oh, the, the swearing-in ceremony for new citizens is part of the convention. You know, using federal resources and, you know, Violating the, the Hatch White Act, House. apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and having the White House as a backdrop. You know, mm-hmm. all of these things, it was it was bizarro land. Yes. And yep. you, you wonder who scripted it, um, how they could do it with a straight face, how do they think it was proper, and how much the base just lapped it up. And as I think Marissa said, you know, that, or I'm not sure if it was my colleague Marissa or Anya, but that couple... How they gave them the platform, you know, the Mikowskis or whatever. I'm so bad with yeah, names. Yep. The, you know, it, it was it was really weird. It was a really weird thing, and it made me feel happy that I was in Sweden and not in the states, and on a different time zone, so I wasn't bombarded more than I would have been with having to see it. Because from Washington D.C., you know, we're always watching MSNBC or something in my house or the news, and it would have just been on all the time, and I would have just been more depressed than I was <laughs> watching from here. Well, plus having grown up in DC, I mean, I had, I, I was, I moved away from DC when I was seven, but I still feel like it was, you know, it's my hometown. Once, yeah, you're a DC native, right? So, yeah, um, and it was my town when Obama was in the White House, and when I went to the Women's March the day after the inauguration there were already um, incursions that made it feel like not my town, like places where you encounter barriers and real unpleasant um, actions from certain people. And, and and yes, and you, so you lose a sense of your relationship with your home in a way. So yeah, I'm glad for you, you were in Sweden and hopefully it'll be our town again as of November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and just to dovetail on that, I was very proud when um, they showed the mayor of Washington, D.C. talking from Black Lives Matter Plaza. Yes, yes, me too. That was that extremely was moving. Moment. Wow. One more, one more round, uh, and we'll start with Marissa this time, so everybody gets to go first. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess my, my my question for you, Marissa, is kind of of what now? Like uh, you've you've been deep in the process of the convention, you've seen the inner workings. You you uh, are are you energized? Are you ready to go? What what projects are you working on as we move towards November? I am fired up, uh, and now I have, you know, those eight hours I didn't know I had during the convention to <laughs> use for other political action work. Um, so so uh, I am trying to get together a country committee here in Rwanda. We have about 70 or so members, 
Um, and so I'm hosting events every couple of weeks. We've been writing get out the vote letters for vote forward and also postcards to voters. Um, so we should have somewhere between 800 and a thousand letters being sent out in October right. um, wow. to mobilize voters. And then I also work with a number of other uh, passionate DA members who live across the African continent. Um, and so we hosted an event with a, a number of ambassadors. I think it was last week. All the days are blurring together, <laughs> um, but we're trying to get a, a grow a bigger presence here um, on the continent for DA and just make sure people know how to mail in their ballots. Yep. Um, so I've become a de facto a vote from abroad uh, person here um, and I'm getting random DMs almost every other day. Uh, either on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, Marissa, I've got a massive problem <laughs> telling me all of their voter woes. So uh, one person at a time, I'm just helping them get their um, overseas ballot. And we'll have a ballot return day on September 21st here in Kigali. Uh, and I have I voted stickers printed. So I'm very excited uh, for that. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Adrian, are, are you ready to go? You fired up? You're energetic? Fired up. And fortunate enough that Angela Fobbs, who's the chair of Democrats of our Global Black Caucus, she asked me to lead the Global Black Caucus Get Out the Vote team. And we've got over 50 members. We've identified over 50, I'm sorry, over 560 potential partners. We've been contacting wow. um, organizations from like the African-American sororities. One of the things when Camilla Harris, Kamala Harris, sorry, mm -hmm. gave her acceptance speech was she gave a shout out to Howard University and to her divine nine sisters and brothers. And the divine nine are the nine historically black fraternities and sororities forced um, <clears throat> five uh, fraternities and four sororities that um, are made up of African-Americans. And I've been doing outreach to, to those organizations to make sure that they've got an overseas voters message and all of their outreach because voter voter registration is core to, core to our service platforms. Mm -hmm. and these organizations um, been talking with, um, for example, even on rock the vote, if, when you went to, went to their website, they would have something very small. If you're an overseas voter, you know, go to FVAP and like size font eight or something. Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, increase the font size. And I think they did do that. They're like, yeah, we could do that. Well, for example, the DNC, um, I signed up for, um, and I shared the information with the leadership about, they do these weekly content packs and I've been getting them. I think I've gotten two or three, post convention, if it's been that long, however many once a week since the convention. And I finally got through to them today and said, can you please include a message about vote from abroad? And they were like, sure. So oh, Julia, great. our chair helped me pick out a, one of our great graphics. And it was like in 2016, 48% of overseas voters voted from swing States. You know, if you're one of these people, you know, go for, go for abroad. So just trying to fit, find every way that we can increase, you know, that New York times article that Julia was recently quoted in. They mm -hmm. said 2.9 2 million Americans of voting age overseas. We think that's an underestimate. We'll probably never know exactly how many. Right. 
Some mm-hmm. estimates are up to 9 million Americans living abroad. Of course, not all of those would be voting age, but just trying to tweak and figure out how can we reach those that aren't already engaged with, the, with Democrats abroad? Because, you know, we're in 149 countries with official country committees, like the work that Marissa's doing on that Africa call, I think it was two weeks ago. You know, they had people, she was, she represented the the group in Rwanda. There was somebody from Morocco, I believe Egypt. Um, I'm not going to remember all the places, but um, just trying to figure out how to reach all of these Americans that aren't already involved with Democrats abroad, because the, the truth is that most Americans abroad don't realize they can vote. Yeah. And it's just getting them over that hurdle and driving them to vote from abroad. And then, as Marissa says, getting pinged with like, what's, you know, I have a problem with this or that. So it's so much work to do in so little time. Mm-hmm. And even though this is something that we work on every year, not just election year, this is the first year that um, the Black Caucus has a special get out the vote team. I believe the LGBT caucus has one as well. So just trying to reach our constituents where we think they are definitely where we know they are and getting them to turn the page from, Oh, I'm overseas. It doesn't matter. Or, Oh, you know, I've lived outside of the state so long, you know, I don't really know what's going on. Getting that over that, getting them over that hurdle to the place where they're actually requesting their ballots. And now since, you know, they're starting to come, the people that requested them by email, some people from Pennsylvania voters are starting to get theirs because they're in the mail return state. Yes. Yeah. So now, you know, we got to make sure they get the ballots back in so it doesn't stop until it's over. Yep. That's right. And Anya, you're the last one. Uh, how do you feel since the convention? Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Um, I'm very tired, but I am fired up, you know, like <laughs> yeah. mentally. Um, after the convention, I did go home and I took a nap and then I woke up and I went to a meeting. Um, so, you know, we have a ton of DA Saxony. We're such a new chapter. We have so much stuff to set up. We've been doing tabling. We're trying to advertise in trams and buses. You know, there's just a lot of stuff to be done, um, just for the chapter. I've also been working with the API caucus, um, which is also new where um, we've also been starting some get out the vote initiatives. We're trying to reach out to people who maybe don't speak English as well, who speak um, Asian languages and to help them also request their ballots. So yeah, there's just a lot of really exciting stuff going on for me and DA and it's, it's a lot, but every time I get stressed about November, I just think, you know, I'm just going to take that stress and funnel it into something productive instead of just, you know, lying awake at night. So that is, my my goal yep that is the best way no question that's amazing yeah definitely (laughs) i I love that you've got an advertising campaign set to go that's that's ambitious oh yeah yeah i need to make a few phone calls for that but they definitely they allow it and we're just going to try and get that out as much as possible and we did do some tabling in in central city in leipzig and that was really exciting just to see random people walking by and they're like oh i'm i'm a dual citizen i've never voted can i vote and you're like yes here you go sign up right now (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you know it's just all about about that outreach. One last question for again for each of you and Adrian we'll start with you. Is there anything that you haven't had a chance to say that you would like to say? Well just that I will never forget that feeling on that morning in 2016 I went to sleep 
my husband's Swedish military. We were in England at the time and I went to sleep because it wasn't looking good with the election results. Right. And I said, I'll just go to sleep, you know, it'll be okay in the morning, you know? And then when you wake up and it wasn't okay. And I think I was in bed for a week Mm -hmm. and my, I mean, to talk about deflated because you feel, you know, with Democrats abroad, we always feel like we work so hard to get out the vote. As I said, it's nothing that we just do every four years or, you know, for the midterms. You know, we're constantly trying to make sure Americans know that they can vote. That's why we exist. And I just felt like, was this, I should have worked harder. Was there something else I could have done right. or that, that we should have done? And my husband was literally like poking me with his finger. Are you okay? It's like, no, you know, bringing me cups of tea. It really took me a week and I don't want that feeling in 2020. Yeah. And when Anya says, you know, you're tired, you know, I'm tired. I don't think I've really recovered from the convention. Like Marissa said, you know, you work your day job and then you're doing the stuff at night and you know, you, you figure out that, you know, this is all un- encompassing. It's like, it really is, we have to do everything we really can do. And what I've realized, I can't f- spend my energy on people who already know they're going to vote for, to reelect the president that we have now. Hmm. I can't waste my energy on that. It's really reaching the, uh, the millions of Americans abroad like us, but unlike us who do, do not know that they can vote do not know that that it's their right to vote, that don't know that that they even matter. Mm-hmm. And we have to let them know that our votes matter. You know, we're the, at the DNC meetings, Julia is nicknamed Julia Margin of Victory Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> we are the margin of victory in these elections. When I was listening to Michelle Obama give her, her speech at the convention, she said, um, what was it that um, in some of those uh, states that we want, lost, it was like a, a margin of 200 votes per precinct or something. Yeah. You know, something so small. Yeah. And we are that margin of victory. So go to votefromabroad.org. If you, if you have to return your, if you haven't requested your ballot, ask for it to be sent to you by email. If you're in a mail back state, consider using the federal emergency write-in ballot, write-in absentee ballot. Um, if you, maybe go out and um, to dinner once a week or have delivery, maybe consider spending that money on a courier service. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an investment. Not everyone can do that. As soon as you get your ballot, turn it back, tra- return it. You know, if you can do it by email or by fax, you can fax online at um, V I'm sorry, FBAP.org. They have a fax mechanism you don't have to have a fax machine in your house, but don't wait, get it back as soon as possible, as soon as possible and encourage your friends in the States to, to do the same thing. If they can vote early, vote early. A lot of States allow early voting, mm-hmm. have a plan, have a plan, execute your plan and check it and make sure that five other people have a plan. Yeah. Here, here. Five other people. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. It's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it's very smart. <laughs> All right, Marissa, your turn. Is there anything, any last words you'd like to add? You know, I think the, the thing that I left the convention really with um, was just the reminder that the Democrats and the Biden-Harris ticket you know, the big tent party, everyone is welcome. <laughs> um, whether you're young or you're old, queer, straight, Republican, life, Republican, lifelong Democrat, doesn't really matter. We can all come together 
behind Biden and Harris and kind of reestablish what a normal presidency can look like and what, you know, normal <laughs> laws and regulations would look like and policies would look like. And we can re- really build back better from there. Um, once we establish or reestablish that baseline that has been, you know, grossly eroded over the past four years. And I think I'm, you know, a lot of my friends now, I, I apparently am an expert uh, on politics <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm, now that I'm a delegate, um, but you know, and everyone asks me and they're just really nervous and they're like, how do you feel? Like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bellwether. Um, and honestly, I am really hope filled. Um, if you're on any of the Facebook groups, uh, I would encourage you to join them, join them from your home state. And there's also state abroad for almost every state. So I'm in Texans abroad. I'm mm-hmm. for, I'm in, uh, Texas women for Biden Harris. I'm in, I think just Texas for Biden, um, a number of groups and like surround yourself with that community. Don't just look at, you know, your, uh, aunt on Facebook's random QAnon posts, you know, (laughs) make sure you're diversifying (laughs) what you're seeing. And I promise you, you will also be hope filled. Um, and as Adrian said, the most important thing past all of that is to just submit your dang ballot, just get it in, get it in early Uh, And keep in the back of your mind, we probably will not know who won on election day. And that is okay. Um, And kind of just be ready for that as votes get counted. You know, we can fight the good fight to make sure every vote is counted. Right. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Anya, final words from you. Well, the other two kind of covered everything, but um, I've been talking about this a lot, but I just really enjoyed some words that Senator Nina Turner um, gave us on a Zoom call we had with her as um, Sanders delegates. And she said that even if you're frustrated or afraid, you have to be careful not to let that immobilize you and just pick two or three things to do that you think will have impact and do them regardless of your frustration or your fear. So I thought that was really powerful for me to hear. And I've been telling all of my friends that. So if you're listening yeah take that with you that's awesome thank you and nina turner's never wrong she's amazing yeah yes she's really incredible she was the co-chair of um sanders's campaign actually yeah uh. adrian george anya leonhard marissa grimes thank you so much for joining us today i'm you you guys are amazing and in a way you were for the blue vote cafe a potluck representation of our delegation. And if the whole delegation looked like you, I'm just absolutely blown away by the talent in Democrats Abroad. Thank you so much for taking that on. Thanks so much for having us. I'm proud to be a delegate with Marissa and Anya. Thank you so much. It's so nice to talk to you two again also. Um, I kind of miss our little delegate Zoom calls. All right. I'm Rachel Oyster with David Schellenberg in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for listening to Democrats Abroad, the Blue Vote Cafe. 